Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann and the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas today in the beverage space. And you guys are going to love this brand, Flyers Cocktail Co. I mean... I cannot even wait for you to learn about these guys that are amazing. We're talking CBD, sparkling cocktails. I can't even wait. It's going to be amazing. Um, such a hot space right now in the industry of beverage. Um, you're going to love this brand. And I, I can't even wait to explore where we are today with these guys and where we're headed. So um, on the podcast today is Damon and Louie. It's so great to have you guys both here. Thank you for being here on the podcast. Mate, love being here. Great to meet you. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us, Justin. I'm so glad you guys are here. Um, their website is drinkflyers.com, and they're at Flyers Cocktail Co. <laughs> and um, so glad to have you guys here. I'm excited to explore, understand, hear your backstory. Like, um, I've, And like I said, I've got a thousand questions, but let's do this first. How about share a little bit about the two of you and your background before launching the business? Yeah, great. So this is Damon here. So my background has been like I mean, doing lots of things, a jack of all trades, really. But the last 20 years, I've been a bit more focused on brand uh, development, mainly in beverage, a lot of innovation insight for big global companies, uh, big beverage companies around the world, um, as well as working with startups. Um, and about 2017, moved into moved to LA from New York after being in New York for about 15 years. Um, and the cannabis space was starting to move to recreational there. Um, so I went from having a medical uh, recreational uh, license, which was, you know, because of my very, very bad back. Uh, <laughs> um, and then that moved straight into recreational overnight. So we saw the opportunity in that space. I started uh, creating some brands for clients in that um, in that arena as well. Um, and then basically we were exploring the non-alc space as well as part of a big global project. Um, and kind of this perfect intersection of storm was coming together. Um, and that's kind of how I met Louis as well. So he can kind of give you his background, but our paths crossed at Juicer Cafe in Venice Beach. <laughs> no um, and we kind of hit it off from there a few years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's cool. All right, Louis, yeah. over to you. And you go by Louis, but it's Craig, right? Right. Craig Lewis, but Americans say Craig. So I'm like, just stick with Louis. Just say Louis. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been in the States about 10 years now, originally from Melbourne, Australia. And uh, in about the last five or six years, kind of was working in the consulting space more with Big Beverage. And that's how kind of met, met Damon there about maybe five years ago now. Um, and we were working with Big Beverage, um, helping build out their innovation pipeline. So we came up with different concepts in, in different markets in both the ALK and non-ALK spaces, and we would help them build it out and kind of help bring it to market as well. And as part of all of that learning and that market research, we kind of understood, you know, what the opportunity was, but also we had, you know, a direct implication of once you, you know, enter your thirties and you start, you're drinking and those hangovers start lasting three days. And so, was, you know, we really, really felt like a need for change. <laughs> and uh, That was also part of the reason for starting all of this three-day hangovers louis really pushed the envelope <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i never had that bad <laughs> really why don't we talk more about that um <laughs> no that's great so um for those that are, are regular listeners of the contender cast you know we've talked a lot about beverage um we've talked to other companies in the ready to drink space or rtd space we've talked about sparkling uh beverage be before of different categories we've had some guests on to talk about um cbd and cannabis like talk about um your your idea and how you guys you know decided you know i think this is a, an opportunity for us 
Yeah, so we spent a lot of time in the non-alc space. So like working with Big Beverage, helping them come up with these concepts, kind of also doing a little bit of like testing of everything that was in the market. And, you know, four or five years ago, there was not much, right? There was not many brands. There was not much effort put into like building out like really, really premium brands. And so while there was options, like when you went into a venue, when you asked for a non-alc product, it was still like, a juice or a Coke or water or like a really expensive mocktail that was also still just tasted like a juice, but you're paying cocktail prices. (laughs) And so all those things together, we knew that, all right, we really see a need for sophisticated, nuanced flavors, um, more of that adult alcohol occasion. We also realized that there's, you know, there's, there's a particular need for a level of effect or function during that occasion. And that wasn't being served. So there was beautiful, like flavor beverages around there, but you didn't feel anything. And you kind of, there was still like a, a less than scenario. And so we were, you know, we kind of pulled that together along with our, like the cannabis experience and said, all right, now the technology is up to a spot where we can actually create a really high efficacy product using CBD to have that nice sense of feeling during those alcohol occasions. So that's where we started. Got it. You guys say you're the New York city's first ever cannabis cocktail. Um, so what were the first steps? Both of you had some background now in beverage. So you, you, you might have known like where to begin, but like formulation, packaging, like what did that look like early days? Yeah, well, I mean, actually, it's, it's, it's interesting because uh, Lou and I were working together um, and then COVID happened and um, I was back in Australia um, with my family. We decided to go back and ride COVID out for a couple of months. Uh, I've been there for two years now since we couldn't leave the country. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it was an interesting time. So um, I found I had a little, a fair bit of time on my hands because a lot of projects, like everyone in the world, things just kind of ground to a halt. Uh, and Louis and I were like, well, we were doing all this work. Why don't we just do something ourselves? We've got time on our hand for the first time. Um, so we were like, we should, look, this is perfect intersection of this non-alp space, um, this cannabis and CBD kind of um, area. And how do we bring this alcohol occasions, as Louis said, and socialization to a beverage? So we had been working um, with one of the America's best and most awarded um, bartenders and mixologists, Ivy Mix, um, on other projects. And we're like, you know what, screw it. Let's just reach out to Ivy, just sort of throw this idea around what we want to do. And we kind of created this idea of a, of a brand and, and an idea of like what we wanted to achieve in terms of a, you know, flavor forward beverage. Uh, and we kind of reached out to Ivy and we started getting in on that kind of formulation process and in parallel doing the brand process. Um, and, the, you know, the flavor process was pretty interesting especially since I was in Sydney and these guys are in Brooklyn uh, and trying to ship over CBD to Australia, which is illegal in Australia. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So sending it to John Doe and hopefully, you know, one in three packages would turn up for me. That was really fun. But, you know, the guys did like 46 iterations um, of flavor over six months. And, you know, we really wanted to dial into the natural bitterness of hemp. Uh, rather than mask it Um, and we use that because that's a kind of a key ingredient for cocktails usually so we really wanted to dial into that um, and build our flavor profiles from that point which was kind of a different approach to a lot of brands moving into seltzer and less flavor and and stuff we wanted to be flavor forward Uh, so that process was pretty crazy then we kind of worked out this you know in theory and in a small batch of flavor profile and then we're like oh shit we have to actually work out how to scale this and make this now um and that's when louis started to not sleep as much as we tried to uh, go down the road of co-manufacturing uh and understanding you know multi-components multi-states and a highly regulated market um which louis has been navigating and kind of taking the lead on 
Yeah, fun and games. <laughs> but uh, we were lucky enough to have a bit of experience working in the beverage space for a few years with Big Beverage that we were able to leverage some of those networks and kind of connect with a few people that were like key players in the industry. Um, so we kind of like, you know, coming in from the beverage side into cannabis as opposed, from, as opposed to from cannabis side into beverage. Wow, love that. Um, and, and so key in terms of how you guys came together. Now, is you have a third founder, is that right? Yeah, Miles McCurdy. Miles. Okay, so himself. here's my question. So, um, how have you guys divided up the work? Or like, is one of you best at certain things and not others? How, how do you guys um, kind of manage that and figure that out? Yeah, yeah, totally. So, I mean, mine's more of the like operations and operational side of things. So when it comes to logistics and, you know, that hat, I wear that all the time, which I'm ready to not wear that because it's uh, (laughs) pretty stressful. That's all funny games. We can get into supply chain stuff later. Um, But, and then outside of that, you know, uh, Miles has a really big, deep background from a marketing side of things. So, you know, he wears the hat of, of our, of CMO. Um, And we, you know, we all obviously share like co-founder responsibilities. And then Damon is our, you know, Mr. To connect. He's, he's our figurehead and he's, you know, had a lot of experience in the space and he's like wheeling and dealing and that's really good. I love it. Okay. So you got good packaging. You're, you've kind of working through formulation and whatnot. How do you build awareness for a new brand? How do you get trial? How do you get, you know, how, where did that begin for you guys? Well, yeah, we're kind of right in the midst of it now. So obviously launching um, a brand during a pandemic um, had its challenges and especially being afar. Um, and obviously we're raising money and we're doing that. So people bought into our, our experience and our ideas and backed us pretty quickly. Then the reality came out that we were going to get this thing launched in nine months and we we're going to show everybody you know, how quickly you could do something. Um, and then during the pandemic, there was something called the pandemic and trying to get a <laughs> yeah, You can't get cans. That's right. Yeah, mate. My man. And we're like, oh, great. So that's another thing. And, you know, anyway, that kind of went down with everything. Shipping costs, all of our cogs blew out, like right. trying to launch it. It was such small volume, you know, trying to keep our space in the lot, like multiple, multiple challenges. Sure. Um, wow. And with it. But yeah, I mean, as, as Louis mentioned, like having favors and pulling uh, backgrounds from all of that kind of made us get, um, you know, kind of <laughs> soldier on and, and, and push forward. So yeah, share with our audience some of the challenges around that. Uh, not everyone's in beverage. And um, th- we've talked about can the can shortage on a couple of other um, podcast episodes, but not in great detail. What did you guys find? And how did you guys work through that? Yeah, so basically, this, the status was that water was moving into cans, wine was moving into cans, cocktails <laughs> everything was moving is moving into, into cans, cans. <laughs> non alcohol was moving into cans, and right. cannabis was moving into cans. Right. And this was all before the, the COVID happened. <laughs> so right. and then you add on that on top of it, COVID. So there already was a shortage. And then, you know, the main manufacturers like Ball and Crown, for example, they the machines to make cans had to be built themselves so it's not like there was just additional can volume that was available they had to order the machines those machines had to be built then they had to be installed those lines all just got turned on like last quarter basically for oh the first God. time after wow. so finally there's an additional multi you know billions of dollars of additional capacity that oh and Sorry, one important piece on top of that, big <laughs> beverage when right. on trade closed during COVID, right. everyone moved, moved from kegs into cans. Into so cans. they just doubled down on the cans. Wow. And so they just sucked up not only the can material, but even the sleeve material was difficult right. to get. That's like right. flexo mat sleeves, all of it. So, Oh, and then just to put the cherry on the top of that beautiful story <laughs> is we chose... <laughs> One of the most unique, unusual can sizes that hardly gets time on a normal. I was going to say, I really like anyway. your, <laughs> I like your shape and size of can. It's not your traditional. 
No, well, we wanted to go um, again, you know, like trying to create something a bit distinct, smaller. Yeah. Um, we think we were trying to keep our measurements close and sessionable too, right? So we wanted sure. to keep it sessionable, kind of create an alcohol metric system as well. It's like this is our measurement. It's like, a, you know, like one is like having a glass of wine. We want to encourage people to have a few of them. And we didn't think volume was key. It's kind of like a cocktail volumes in a way as well. Right. Um, so that was kind of key to us. Uh, but that obviously presented a world of challenges as well because we were a very unique unique structure size in a very unique uh, situation with the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it really helps to have a volume that's a little bit smaller because it, in, in the cogs, you can still have a relatively premium product, but you can actually, the shipping costs come down a little bit when you have smaller volumes. Traditionally, it's really difficult to ship like heavy liquids and expensive, right. but when you have um, these kind of smaller or smaller six pack it becomes a little bit more like economically viable. No doubt. Um, so I know of at least three flavors here, Brooklyn Gold Highball, Sydney Spritz Highball, and the Tokyo Marg Highball. So I mean, how did you guys decide on the flavors here? And like, how did that process work? We, it's funny, each of them kind of represented it. So I've been big into yuzu for ages and I was like, I would just love to do a yuzu margarita. Right. This is the Tokyo was, Marg, by the way. Yeah, yeah. so that was that vibe. Um, and the highball just kind of referenced because we're sparkling. So it was kind of a yeah. nod to, you know, the Japanese approach anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, Louis is an old fashioned machine and just smashes old fashions. <laughs> used to. Uh, used to. <laughs> yeah. Used to. <laughs> yeah. Back um, to the so hangover Brooklyn days. Gold is a, yeah, is a riff on that kind of more whiskey, woody notes and, and cola. Got it. Um, and then the Sydney Spritz was kind of like a joint initiative. We're going to throw that one into Miles because he's currently in Cronulla and he yeah, is the yeah, Spritz of Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and that one is more like an Aperol Spritz based um, as well. So we kind of, we like the idea of cities because we're adding a slight twist to them. We were I using think it's cool. Things. Yeah, it's really yeah. great. It's great um, on the label and everything. I say label on the side of the can, but... Um, yeah. And then what about the challenges with CBD in terms of distribution in certain states and whatnot? How have you guys navigated that and figured that out? Yeah, so a lot of fun and games. <laughs> but um, basically, like in 2018, you know, it became federally legal, but some states still decided to you know, vote against it. Um, so at the moment, you know, we shipped to 35 states. Uh, but the challenges really are, exist more around on the banking side of things. Like there's still a lot of restrictions just for, for hemp products. So you don't have necessarily have access to like working capital products, you know, like there's some VCs that don't touch it because it's hemp based, all those kind of things. And in terms of distribution, you know, in New York, for example, they created, you need a hemp retail license and that's, you know, it takes five minutes, but it's 300 bucks for the year. Most Got bars... It. Don't have that. So you've got to really think about how you can either build that in, like when you're selling in and talking to the on-premise side of things, like what does it look like for, you know, a bar to cop also a $300 um, retail license. Uh, there's other states, you know, some states make it easy and some states make it hard. In You know, we play in alcohol occasions and in New York, in liquor stores, you can't sell anything that's not alcoholic by law. So which you know, from our perspective is kind of like, that's that it should not be the case. You should be able to have, there's this really beautiful, big movement now, of amazing non-alcoholic products playing in that occasion. They should be available in liquor stores. Um, and so hopefully that changes, but you know, we, so that's not an option for us in terms of distribution. So we've got to look at like, you know, more like um, on-prem and as well as like, you know, premium retail, natural food stores. Wow. Um, as you look ahead, what are the keys to growth? Things have been opening back up. Like, how are you guys growing the brand, like building awareness and, and whatnot? Yeah. So we got a lot on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so 
So we kind of talk about it like, all right, online and offline. So Good. online, we have, um, you know, PR push. We obviously have like a pretty unique product and we have a really good, a good story, we think. Um, and so we, we have the opportunity to talk to a lot of different editors and be included in, you know, both roundups as well as dedicated articles from a PR side. Um, and then, you know, on awards, we're submitting our liquids to all the different awards and, you know, they're slowly starting to come in, which is really, really exciting. And that helps with the awareness. We have a, a beautiful website that we, you know, spent a very, very, very long time on and, uh, you know, you know, over-engineered and designed, but it's fantastic. People love it. And that gets a lot of attention. You know, we have a little hidden game on the site. You know, if you scroll down to the very bottom, you might be able to find <laughs> it. Pretty exciting. Um, and so, you know, there's a bit, a bit of online activities as well as some advertising and uh, social media and, you know, our Instagram, those kind of elements. And then offline, you know, in New York, like, we have, you know, wheat po wild postings. We have a guy that's putting up posters for us around New York. Oh, nice. Uh, doing sampling. Yeah. Yeah. Cut that bit out. Yeah. This is uh, recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, sampling actually is really helpful because, they, you know, we get to meet the consumers. The consumers get to chat with us. We're just pretty laid back Australians trying to have a good time and enjoy the product ourselves as well. So that's really good for brand building. Um, and we, you know, we have big ambitions to do a lot of that this summer, which is exciting. Yeah. And I think we've just moved into, um, well, we will be in spring in the next couple of weeks into about 500 kind of more premium retail outlets. Oh, awesome. New York. That's amazing. Um, that's great volume. Yeah, just start getting volume and presence in kind of um, in that kind of modern trade channel. And then obviously the movement towards non-alc has really kind of created this rise of the non-alcoholic bottle shops and, and liquor oh, stores. Interesting. Um, and there's, they're growing. I mean, there's like 12 or so in New York at the moment um, and growing, you know, in other states. So they just basically have the whole gamut of non-alcoholic spirits, everything else. So we've been featured in there and that, and that seems to be a movement that's growing as well. So we're kind of a really interesting in our serviceable market because we're kind of in the non elk space because we are non-alk um a lot of people and friends of ours and, and um, people were doing dry january and they were drinking our drinks i'm like i don't know it's been, it tastes like alcohol <laughs> it's not even it's not i guess it's technically dry <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> um but that movement's really growing as well and, and it's becoming like you know it's a big initiative so we're in the non-alk space we're in the cbd space sure um and you know we are better for you um in terms of a you know a health and with low oh, calories well. yep. um, no alk um, and obviously we're expanding into the THC versions as well, um, which we can talk about. And that opens up a whole other set of opportunity and challenges um, because it's even more regulated. It's on a state by state level. Um, but we will be doing kind of not really micro, but low dose um, THC um, versions of our drinks as well um, that we'll be starting to look at rolling out this summer in, in sort of select states. That's what I was going to ask in terms of as you you got three here, you know, what are the next next cities, I'll call it, or other beverage lines you want to launch? And so THC is one of those. Yeah, yeah, definitely THC. And, uh, you know, in terms of the different additional cocktails we have, we're always talking about new ones that we can uh, really, really build. And we haven't like specifically landed on what that will be, but we have a lot of options, but it's really I'm easy sure. to think about <laughs> versions like like the Moscow Mule. Perfect. Right. Perfect <laughs> fit, right? I don't know if we're allowed to do that. Not anymore now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, actually, I take that back. I know. <laughs> That's on hold. It's yeah. like this called the Mule now. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny. When we were doing sampling in the oh, summer, like God. the reaction, was crazy like we had you know young people grandparents you know um dads with babies strapped to them young moms all drinking our drink the biggest thing was like yo we want to get this thing a bit punchier uh and there was well, all these guys too and, and actually these ladies that came through and they're like 
when are you going to do like the morning version for the wake and bake crowd? Ooh, and I was like, oh, wake so and bake the, crowd. The wake and bake crowd. And I was like, that's actually <laughs> interesting. So there is something with an espresso martini idea that we are <laughs> playing around with. But yeah, 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 for the morning crew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever, the mimosas and the Bloody Marys and things, yeah. Wow. Okay. That's really cool. Lots of options for you guys. Yeah. 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 That's, that's great. How hard has it been to raise money or easy? Like, and you, you don't have to get into details, but what does that look like for you guys? Yeah. So, you know, we were kind of raised internationally to start just to kind of let, lay low and stay under the radar um, before we open it up with the US. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still in the process of closing out our initial round. It's about three quarters full at the moment. Um, but we're trying to make, you know, strategic decisions about where we go from to from here um, to help us, um, particularly with our plans moving forwards. So, you know, when we first went moved out of the gates, we thought, all right, we're going to close this out in three months. Mm-hmm. It's been nine months now and uh, still going, which is just a normal story. But, you know, we launched in November. So in November, we just focused on, Mm. you know, operating and scaling the business and took our foot off the gas on raising. So that's kind of a big part of it. Um, Now that we're kind of out there and we're in market, now we have the opportunity to spend a little bit more time on that front and uh, and finish out that raise. Um, And we have this, you know, we have a unique product and we also have an opportunity for people outside of the country to access the cannabis market as well so that's that's a really really useful uh, element for us in the conversations that we've been having um and then now we're opening up yeah we've been in mostly working with angel investors um and now we're kind of starting those conversations with various different vcs just to make sure we can um they can help us scale and you know um their networks no, that makes sense. You know, I love to ask our guests um, some of their biggest lessons learned in launching a business. You guys have certainly, you're kind of in the middle of that, right? You're kind of on this run up right now. Um, I'd love to ask each of you, maybe share one or two things that, you know, you'd offer to other entrepreneurs that are listening that are thinking of launching their own beverage brand or a food brand or uh, their own business. Like, what would that advice look like? And how about we start, Louis, over on your side? <laughs> yeah. So we've really found that we're in this space where things are, are, cannot be Googled. So there's a lot of questions that we have that are ungoogleable. So right. Really That's need- so true. Because yeah. some yeah. of my other guests will be like, yeah, we figured out with Google. You know, I had to find a co-packer. I Googled, you know, anyway. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so we've really found that there's a really strong founder community and it's actually really helpful to just be able to open up, um, like slide into people's DMs on LinkedIn and hit them totally. up and say, hey, here's a specific challenge that we're facing. Like, can you help? Do you have any advice? Can we chat? We're really, really finding that everybody's really open with that. And we love doing that too. So first piece would be to any new founders, like just if you have someone that you've followed, reach out to them directly. Like they, they'll they read it. And if you have some, like an actual question they think they can help with, they'll definitely answer. Um, and then second to that is thinking about like the DTC models now in 2022 versus what they used to be. They're very, very different. And so at the moment, you know, there's been changes to iOS, there's been changes to privacy laws, advertising and like pixels, everything's just way more difficult than it used to be. And it's actually really challenging and actually expensive these days. So when you, if you're thinking about a DTC business, you've got to really, really, really make sure that your plan is and is dialed and that you're going to be using effective platforms that are going to have high leverage to allow your, your brand awareness, particularly when you're starting out. Um, and so those, those are probably the two main pieces, I think. And then third one on the raise, There'll be a lot of conversations you'll have with investors that are, uh, you know, you think the investor is not necessarily aligned with exactly uh, what you're doing, which is right. They're probably not going to invest, but they're going to be a filter 
to additional investors. And so every conversation is really, really helpful and important. And that even if they're not the right fit, if you have a great relationship with them at the end of the conversation, you can say, hey, guys, can you, you know, do you have any recommendations? And you might get two or three really, really strong leads that they say, these guys are in the space that you're working in. Here's who you want to chat to. And then you can open up more introductions. So that's ultimately how that, that those conversations go. So it's kind of like, you know, first you're starting with your networks and the cold outreach, and then you're moving into, you know, their networks. And that's sure. kind of really where you find the right people to work with. Love that. All right. Over to you, Damon. Yeah. Look, I think um, that I've done a couple of these now as well, but on that, but embrace the pivot. Um, you know what I mean? No, you can put down the greatest plans and it might be rock solid and all the rest of it, but you've just got to be um, nimble enough to embrace the pivot and, that's kind of a key one, which is some some people find it hard to let go because you spend all this time building something and it's like, actually, we've got to read on it. We need to change now. Um, so I think that's just a like a mantra. And obviously, we've been pretty good at pivoting as things have happened and, you know, launching at a really interesting time. We've had to kind of just change our approach to everything um, and not be scared of that. And the other thing, too, is just like, you know, how do you think outside the box for when you're a brand? You've got less money. Um, you're trying to connect with people. You're trying to disrupt and engage. Uh, you know, what are clever ways that you can do that? And really, I mean, you know, some people say you get really lucky and that, the, the only way to get lucky is to really be around long enough to <laughs> right. take advantage of <laughs> take the luck when it happens. When you see it, right. <laughs> but survival so is key, right? Like right. being around long enough to take advantage of the lucky moments when they happen. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's just a really good, so, you know, um, don't spend all the money that you get on investment, you know, part, you know, keep it all there so you can be around to take advantage of, you never know what's going to happen. You know, be sitting sure. on the bench when you go in, coach. Send me in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think luck is when uh, experience meets opportunity. Yeah. So I think that's a good way. That's a great way to think about it. Uh, share with our audience where they can find you, connect with you, learn about your product, etc. Yeah, so Instagram, Drink Flyers. Uh, Facebook, Drink Flyers. <laughs> website, drinkflyers.com. <laughs> it's all Drink Flyers. Um, you know, we're also on active on LinkedIn and, and Instagram as well. So we're open to any questions. Everyone that wants to reach out and, and find us on those platforms. Um, but yeah, we love chatting with everyone. We love chatting with new founders. And uh, we really think like um, a rising tide raises all ships. So we love seeing like new brands enter. We love seeing great products launch. We love seeing like all the innovation happening in the space. And we love chatting with all these people that you would think probably are our competitors, but actually like we're becoming friends with them. I'm sure. I, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that more and more. I mean, seriously, I've had three or four times in the last couple of weeks on these interviews. So it's awesome. Yeah, and I think it's, it's really, it seems to be like a David versus Goliath scenario, right? Because right. it's kind of like, we work together yeah. to, get, to get against these big guys. That's so funny. Man, it's been so great meeting you guys. Uh, Damon Gorey and Craig Louis Lewis. Um, so great to have you guys on. Um, you got to come back down the road. I mean, you're kind of like... Like your early days, like you're going, you know what I mean? But so many markets to get into and and so fun to watch um, and to see your brand grow and what's coming next. So you've got to come on back with us down the road. And we just really appreciate you being here today. Nate, we'd love to. Thanks so much for having us. This was fun. Yeah, thanks so much, Justin. That was awesome. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.